يا جبار يا جبار يا جبار قال الله سبحانه وتعالى والذين يقولون ربنا اصرف عنا عذاب جهنم إن عذابها كان غراما إنها ساءت مستقرا ومقاما والذين إذا أنفقوا لم يسرفوا ولم يقتروا وكان بين ذلك قواما والذين لا يدعون مع الله إلها آخر ولا يقتلون النفس التي حرم الله إلا بالحق ولا يزلون ومن يفعل ذلك يلقى أثاما يضاعف له العذاب يوم القيامة ويخلد فيه مهانا إلا من تاب وآمن وعمل عملا صالحا فأولئك يبدل الله سيئات حسنات وكان الله غفور رحيما ومن تاب وعمل صالحا فإنه يتوب إلى الله متابا صدق الله العظيم Beloved brothers and sisters We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to accept all of your uh, coming here tonight and may he make it a means of our salvation and make a means of us all being re- connected with the, with the blessed Qur'an and may Allah Azza wa Jal open up the meanings of the Qur'an upon our hearts and may He enable us all to practice on it and propagate it may Allah Azza wa Jal allow every one of us to become beautiful representations of the teachings of the Qur'an in our character with one another in our dealings in our buying and selling in all our conduct may, may our akhlaq be a reflection of the Qur'an and whatever we've come with tonight to the masjid with or listening online whatever issues and uh, problems we're going through we ask Allah Azza to allow us all to find the solutions of that in the in the verses that we will be covering tonight um, as always we should be sincere in our talab in our desire why we're sitting here and if we uh, become humble in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then this is the key to every single thing that a person could ever dream of and the way to take from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's treasures is through humility a person can never get from Allah through arrogance and through uh, self-righteousness a person will only get further from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through those sins but when a person is humble when a person is down to earth when a person feels himself to be insignificant in front of Allah then through this sifa of tawadu and humility a person attains that which he will never be able to attain uh, through any other means so these are the attributes and the qualities we should be working on and increasing within ourselves uh, every time we attend a halaqa of, of, of dhikr and ilm. Additionally, halaqat of knowledge and dhikr are a beautiful um, rinse for our hearts. A person should sit here with this intention that, Ya Allah, your nur that is descending on this gathering and the angels that are present here through the blessing of, the, of all of these righteous servants of yours those we see and those that we cannot see in their suhba and their presence allow, me, allow my uh, filthy heart to become purified allow my filthy thoughts to become clean allow my dirty eyes to become purified and allow every portion of my body and my soul to become blessed and munawwar and enlightened through the barakah of those who we are sitting with there is something called secondhand smoke. A person sitting with a smoker if, uh, inhales that, it destroys him, it kills him. And along with that, of course, your body will, at the very least, you're, you're, you will smell like a smoker if you're sitting next to someone who is smoking. If that is the case with evil, then imagine the similar, it must be the case. And beyond that, when a person sits with those people who have nur, 
when a person sits with those people who are blessed souls, we just by simply sitting in their company, sitting with innocent children, sitting with elderly, elderly people, sitting with students of knowledge, what a person can get is, we know no bounds. By ourselves, we're nobody. By ourselves, we are nothing. But when we sit here with other amazing souls, then we are hoping that their goodness will rub off onto us. So just like uh, Nabi ﷺ has given the example of Nafiq al-Kir, the one who's blowing into an uh, oven and a furnace, what will happen? He will, uh, he, will, he will get the heat upon his body. It may outright burn him. And if it doesn't burn him, it might burn his clothes. If it doesn't burn his clothes, at least the ash and the smoke of that furnace will affect him. And similarly, someone who's selling itar, either you, uh, you purchase the itar and you have your own. But if you don't purchase your own, you will be sitting next to him. What will happen? Some of that goodness will rub off. So these are some of the various intentions we should make when we attend any gathering of dhikr and ilm. That, Ya Allah, I do not know which wali of yours is sitting here. I'm not the wali, but there are awliya. With the, and their angels present, and through their through the, uh, through me sitting in their company, I hope inshallah some of this will rub off onto me. This is another intention we can make. Last week, I Muhammad uh, Mufti Hassan covered for me, um, and Alhamdulillah, uh, you know it seems like we need substitutes once in a while to come in to get us moving. <laughs> so, so Alhamdulillah, when I looked, I said, Oh, mashallah, Mufti Sab did a good job, great job for me too. He's you know he's done maybe two weeks worth for me. So Alhamdulillah, that was good. And now we are, um, uh, we've already begun the discussion of Ibadur Rahman. This, the, this is a, an amazing selection, 13 verses of Surah Furqan. Some of you have already studied this, heard, heard tafsir on it. It's powerful, amazing verses of, of, of Surah Furqan, the closing 13 verses approximately, in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the qualities of the servants of, of His, special servants. So for two, um, okay. Was one attribute They walk on the earth humbly Number two When ignorant people People who, who are Hostile Who are not knowledgeable Who are hostile Who are <clears throat> just picking a fight When they try to speak to them uh, Try to instigate them They don't get instigated They just say salam and move on Number three they are the ones who spend a portion of their night either in sajda or in qiyam. Why sajda or qiyam? Subhanallah. Ulama tafsir say some people enjoy sajda, some people enjoy qiyam. Some people they just love to read Quran. Allahu Akbar. One juice, two juice, three juice, four juice in one rakah. Right? Um, there are people like that till today. Subhanallah. Who read four or five juice per rakah. Right? So one of my classmates whose father passed away, Rahimullah, Rahmatan Wasi'ah, he was telling me my mom and dad every single night for decades, right here in America, would wake up for tahajjud, and my mom would join my father, and my father would, uh, would read about eight Jews, I think, so he said, in tahajjud salah. Right? And mom, just imagine such people alive today in this country, right? For husband and wife standing together in, in tahajjud, uh, wife standing behind the husband as he reads eight or nine Jews. Allahu Akbar. So, as much as we hear about the bad, there, we, we need to focus also on the good. There's a lot of good that's happening. There's a lot of righteous, amazing people around, right under our nose. You don't have to go into the hiking into the mountains of Africa to find pious people. There are people right around you who will lead very inspiring lives. And many times, we do not find out about their good deeds except after they are gone. 
Then we hear about what they used to do from their family and from their relatives. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from amongst those of either qiyam or sajda. I remember a classmate of mine, I've mentioned his name here many times. He passed away also, subhanAllah. You know, last year, Mulan Uthman. And uh, his sajda on a daily basis would be so long uh, between yani, 30 to 40 minutes would be his sajda. And there would be times we would be studying in takrar, a revision time. And we passed 10 o'clock official time ends. You can study after that as much as you want. And at times I would finish leaving the area of, of the mutala, the takrar revision area, pass by through the masjid to use a restroom, do wudu or whatever the case may be. And I would see him in sujood. And there were at many times where I thought it's now 11.45 at night. The guy's been in sajda. I went, you know, since I'm studying, went to the bathroom, came back. He's still sitting in sajda. He must have definitely fallen asleep. Because students of knowledge, we are deprived of sleep. So anywhere you go, you fall asleep. So it is very possible to fall asleep in sajda as well. You know, I remember the time after Salat al-Fajr where Yasin would be recited. Salat Yasin would be recited. <laughs> after Fajr, all the students, a big chunk of them would be, subhanAllah, as they say, catching fish. You know, I don't know if, we don't use this istilah over here in America, I think so. But in South Africa, they use called catching fish. Because, you know, you look at the head, falling down. It looks like someone with a fishing rod, like this, back and forth, right? So everyone, yani, mashallah, these are students of knowledge, right? They're over they're sleep deprived because they're studying. It reminds me of another story. On Thursday night, we used to do salawat like we do over here. Like we got this from our Darulum Zakaria where every Thursday night they do salawat. There was one occasion when subhanAllah at breakfast time our honorable Ustad Hazrat Mufti Al-Dharhaq he, he said I want to share with you something happened last night. And he said I was sitting in the saf of the masjid while students were reading salawat. And he was also reading salawat naturally. And after all the students finished reading the 40 salawat upon the Prophet Mufti Hazrat Mufti Al-Dharhaq Damad Barakatuh would make the dua. So he said a student if in the few, few yeah, in the same row, few spots down, fell asleep. Afterwards, I think in the night or at Fajr time, he came and said, while I was reading salawats in the masjid, Thursday night, what happened? I fell asleep. And in the sleep, I had a vision of the Prophet ﷺ. And the Prophet ﷺ asked me to convey his salam to you. So Muhammad Mufti Sahab, who is a person who holds his emotions very well, he, he cried, you know, at the breakfast table. Sharing this, he was he became teary-eyed. That Subhanallah, and he's and he he you know he was very good at he's very good at deflection, very good at deflection. Any praise that comes to him, he deflects it. So he would always say, "Look, it's not about like." Let <laughs> me just think about that. Many, mashallah, there are people who see the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Alhamdulillah, but to receive a salam like this, boy, this is just something else. But immediately he attributed it to the piety of the youngster, and he said, "How pious are our students." How blessed are students that subhanAllah, even, in, even yani, wherever they are, they may fall asleep and, and that may be, it's, it's not like some special sleep that they have to have in their bedroom to get the ziyarah. But rather, even in their city in the masjid reading salawat, they fall asleep. Alhamdulillah, they're blessed with the vision of Rasulullah wasallam. So, I was saying that yani, students fall asleep. So there, would be t- there was one time, or a number of times rather, I tapped Malana Uthman, thinking that he may have fallen asleep. But all he would do is then He would just raise his voice And allow me to hear him crying That I am not asleep Rather I am crying in my dua This man, you know there are people in this world Who are just, I, I, I may think are too good for the world 
the, the world of, is the fitna is keeps on going and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yani there's a dua of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam faqbidni ilayka idha aratta biqawmin fitnatan faqbidni ilayka ghayra maftunin idha aratta biqawmin fitna oh Allah whenever you intend to put the ummah into fitna whenever you intend to put my nation into the fitna my community in fitna then pull me back in a state that I am not going through any fitna this is one of the dua of the Prophet sallallahu that take me back, call me back in a state that I am not falling into any fitna. Subhanallah, so he was coming back from a gathering, some, some dini gathering, and he had a car accident, him, his wife, and about three children, I think, so all passed away. Um, only one child remained. And one, what we used to do in Malawi, he was actually working in an orphanage. Subhanallah, right? Working in an orphanage, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala left one child of his as an orphan. Um, but Alhamdulillah, yani we expect only great things from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from Mawlana Uthman. But the point is, there are certain people who enjoy sajda and there are certain people who enjoy qiyam. And that's why Allah mentions this that they spend the night in sajda or qiyam. Now, the, the weak people like myself and all of you, uh, not all of you, rather, some of you who are like me, we say, Our oh, brother, we cannot do 45 minute sajda, we cannot do 45 minute qiyam. Um, what do we do? Very interesting. There's always something for all of us. So there is a hadith mentioned here um, uh, attributed to Imam Munziri in At-Targhib wa Tarheeb and Imam Tabrani has mentioned it in, uh, 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 to al- in uh, Tabrani has mentioned Mu'ajib al-Kabir What is that? Umar radiallahu anhuma anil Nabi sallallahu alayhi Whoever performs Salatul Isha in jama'ah, like all of you have done. And then performs four raka'ah, meaning nafil, extra. Before he leaves the masjid, he will get the reward as though he is standing up in Laylatul Qadr. You say, what? That's, that's too good. Exactly, because you know what? How many people are going to actually do it? Let's just look, honestly, let's ask ourselves, this crowd right here. How many people are going to wait to the end of the tafsir and are going to pray four raka'ah extra? Then you will understand the reward of this. Why? Because the amount of people who do these simple actions are very few. Very few. The ajr, it's so easy and the reward is so much. There was a reward Rasulullah mentioned about tasbih after every salah. I don't remember which tasbih it was. Probably it may have been subhanallah, walhamdulillah, illa allahu akbar, ayatul kursi and some other adhkar. Then the sahaba, the Nabi mentioned the unbelievably high rewards for that. The sahaba said, Ya Rasulullah, this is like too easy. So much reward for so little so for so little effort, why? And the Prophet ﷺ responded and he said, Because very few will do it. Now, why will very, let's look after Asr, there's no where we rushing, man. After Fajr, where are you rushing? Besides those who gotta go to work, let's leave that. But the rest of us students of knowledge, what are you waiting for after Fajr? Who's waiting for you? No one's waiting. But how a person feels like, I gotta run. Where are you running to where? There's no time to sleep. You got class also right after. Right? On a Saturday or Sunday, what have you got? You can sleep for six hours. But after Fajr, look how everyone needs to run. After Isha, 7.30. Honestly, who's going to go to sleep at 7.45? So after 7.30 for you to sit and do your adhkar, how hard is it? Not hard. But very few people do it. Why? Then the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, he said, Shaitan comes to one of you. Shaitan comes to you, and then in Salah, he doesn't even wait till the end of Salah. In Salah, he begins to say, Uthkur kada wa kada, Uthkur kada wa kada, lima lam yakun yathkurhu qabla dhalik. Oh, kama qala sallam. He tells the man to start remembering this and that, this and that in Salah, such things that he was not thinking about before Salah. And then as soon as he finishes Salah, he comes in with full force. 
and says, you got to wait. You got to go. Someone's waiting for you in the parking lot. Someone's waiting. What if I got a missed call in the car? My phone's in the car. What if? What if someone just eyed me in the car, in the laptop at home? What if my boss is waiting for me? What if my wife is upset at me? What if, what if, what if, what if? All of these what ifs happen just to get you out of your spot. And as soon as you get out of the spot, you might end yourself up sitting in the lobby drinking chai for 10 minutes. 20 minutes in the parking lot speaking about stock market. Right? Sitting in the car, listening to the radio for another 15 minutes. You know, what not. But shaitan is mission accomplished. What did he do? He got you out of your spot. The ajar for these afkar is when you sit in the spot and do that. Now someone who is constantly sitting in the spot and doing dhikr, but there are times where he actually genuinely has got an emergency. He's got to go to the bathroom, or he's got to go to an appointment, etc. Inshallah, no problem. He carry on, but doing the dhikr as you go. But the actual sunnah is that after a salah, we sit down. Those salah that we have sunnah, like Maghrib, Isha, Dhuhr, then in that case, we stand up after Fard Salah quickly, and we pray our sunnah, and then we sit down. After our sunnah mu'akkad, that we sit down for some minutes and engage in dhikr and dua. The reason I mention this is the fact that it's so easy to do tasbih. Subhanallah 33 times. Alhamdulillah 33 times. Allahu Akbar 34 times. Read Ayatul Kursi once. Read Allahumma inni ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husni ibadatik. And the rewards are too numerous to count. But the reason why we don't do it is because shaitan comes to us and pushes us away. So similarly, a person needs to understand that Allah is so merciful. He opens up the doors of mercy for all of us and says, you know what, you can't stand up all night in Aisha, no problem. I'll give you an easy, easy shortcut. Pray for a rakah before you leave the masjid. That's what this riwayah mentions. Yeruh al-Ma'ani, Allama Alusi, rahmatullah mentions, and he says that a person who performs Salatul Tahajjud after Isha, before going to bed, inshallah, he will get the reward of Tahajjud. Those of you who know Hakim Akhtar, rahmatullah from Karachi, he would always say this, always, always mention this point in all his bayans. And he would always mention, Imam Alusi says in Ruhulmani, he'd always quote that. And he would say that the one who performs a nafil salah after Isha, before going to bed, he will inshallah also get reward of tahajjud. Yes, the best, highest level of tahajjud is called salah bayna nomain. Salah between two sleeps. Which means you go to sleep and then you wake up at 3.30 a.m. nowadays, 3 a.m., 3.30. You perform tahajjud salah and then you go back to sleep. And then you wake up for fajr. That's hard. Naturally, that's why it's the most rewarding. And then after that, the one who performs salah in the last third of the night. If not last third, last sixth of the night, meaning even closer to fajr. If we can't do that, then we at least perform salah before we go to bed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from His servant who has enjoyed His blessing all, night, all day to reflect upon what He enjoyed before He goes to bed. You know, like as you burp, at least thank the host. You know what I mean? Who, who gave you all this meal. Well, as you go to bed with all this... Think about all of us sitting here with our families here. You've got three, four children comfortably tucked up in their beds. You've got your parents, alhamdulillah, alive. You've got your, your, your spouse next to you. You've got a warm home. You just had a nice full dinner. And just think what subhanAllah people in Palestine are going through. Today it's Palestine. Yesterday was somewhere else. Tomorrow will be somewhere else. Non-stop what people are going through. It requires at least five minutes of reflection. That Ya Allah, alhamdulillah, I've got f- f- all my children alive next to me. I've got my spouse alive next to me. I've got my parents alive next to me. I don't have to decide, you know, which one I'm going to live and which one's going to die, which one's going to live, which one I'm going to carry. You know, I got only two hands and I got three dead bodies. Which one do I carry? Honestly, these are the decisions that they're going through. Subhanallah. 
So we need, before we go to bed, a few moments of reflection. And that's why when, 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 when everything is done for the day, may Allah give myself and all of us tawfiq to spend some quality time on the musallah. Say ameen. Right? Make niyyah today. That, Ya Allah, I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to at least pray two rak'at salah. Those of us who have qada salah to make up, that the most virtuous thing for us to do is make up our qada salah in these occasions. And, you know, of course, make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mawlana Salim Durad Damad Barakatuh from England yesterday mentioned one of his talks. Where amongst the many things we should be doing for Palestine, he said, give sadaqah every single day. Give sadaqah every day and make niyyah for the brothers and sisters of Palestine. Because through sadaqah, the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes. You give that sadaqah directly to them, that's the best. If you can't give it directly to them, then anywhere else to people in need. But make niyyah, ya Allah, through the barakah of the sadaqah, allow your hidden help to come. After mentioning this attribute, what we did, we did three, right? The fourth one, وَالَّذِينَ يَقُولُونَ رَبَّنَا صَرِفْ عَنَّا عَذَابَ جَهَنَّمُ That, oh Allah, these are the people who say, oh Allah, keep the punishment of hell away from us. إِنَّ عَذَابَهَا كَانَ غَرَامًا For its punishment is indeed unrelenting. What's very interesting here, is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the dua that they're making for protection from Jahannam. After doing what? After what? After spending a good portion of the night in Qiyam or Sajdah. This is what you call Ibadullah. Ibadullah do not do istighfar after spending the night in sin. Ibadullah and Ibadul Rahman, they do istighfar and seek Allah's protection after doing ibadah because they're scared their ibadah is not going to be accepted. The one who, the one who truly um, who cares about you and he does ikram, he brings something for you, he says, I hope you like it. Right? You know, you make some chai for you. He says, I hope you like it. That's one. And another person will come, he'll just dump it in front of you and walk away. Like, I don't care. I was forced to do it, so I did it. Two different ways of approaching. A believer, when he does good deed, he doesn't just dump it in the court of Allah and say, gone. No. He sits there saying, Ya Allah, how do you like it? How do you like it? Is this acceptable to you? Is it? Is it? I know it's not the way you probably wanted it, but I tried. Honestly, when someone does that, even instead of sugar, they put salt in your tea. But they come with sincerity, they come with humility, they got this innocent look on their face. I remember one time, you know, when I was a little child, I made a you know, chai for my parents, and I wanted to make it special. So I you know, said, oh, well, let me make it different, let me put ilechi powder, you know, cardamom. But I didn't know my spices well enough, so I ended up putting garam masala. You know, the, <laughs> I don't know if my parents remember that or not, but I remember it, honestly, I still remember that, I was probably seven years old. So I'm sure my parents didn't get upset about that. It's like, well, you know what? It's a cute mistake. Honestly, you tried. You climbed up onto the countertop, opened up the spice cabinet, and tried to put spice in the tea for your parents. That's pretty cute. It's pretty nice, but you made a mistake. Well, that's how it is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Allah, I tried, but you know, I probably missed out some sunnah. I probably missed out some, something here and there. I hope you like it. You know, I know it's not worthy of acceptance, but if you would be so kind enough to just let it pass, I would be very obliged. What is Allah going to say to you? What is Allah going to say to you? Allah has more love than a mother or father have for the child. When, a person, when Allah loves this humility and humbleness, of course He's going to take it. That's why we say, رَبَّنَا تَقَبَّلْ مِنَّا Those of us in Arabic studies, sarf, you studied khususiyat of abwab. You learned the word taf'ul. One of the specialties of this scale is called takalluf. Takalluf, tasannu. Something that is done uh, with hardship with difficulty even though you don't want to do it. 
Um, so, qabila yaqbalu means to accept. But that same verb, when it's put on the scale of tafa'ul, and you say taqabbala yataqabbalu, then in that case, it doesn't mean accept. What does it mean? Ya Allah, what we say in Urdu, batakalluf qubul kallijiyeh. Batakalluf. Ya Allah, accept this with, while overlooking all the flaws in it, because it's not worthy of acceptance. That's what's ingrained in the meaning of Rabbana taqabbal minna. Right? SubhanAllah, look at how deep this beautiful language of Arabic is and why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose this for it for to be the language of the Quran. So when a person spends his night in ibadah and then he turns to Allah and he says, Ya Allah, I want you to please protect me from hell. This is exactly how a believer acts. Let's focus on another verse that you all covered with us in Surah Al-Mu'minun. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, um, يَا أَيُّنَا كُلُّ مِنَ الطَّيِّبَاتِ يُعَمِلُوا صَالِحًا إِنِّي بَتَعْمَلُونَ عَلِيمٌ إِنَّ الَّذِينَ هُمْ مِنْ خَشْيَةِ رَبِّهِمْ مُشْفِقُونَ وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ بِآيَةِ رَبِّهِمْ يُؤْمِنُونَ وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ بِرَبِّهِمْ لَا يُشْرِكُونَ وَالَّذِينَ يُؤْتُونَ مَا آتَوْا وَقُلُوبُهُمْ وَجِلَةٌ أَنَّهُمْ إِلَى رَبِّهِمْ رَاجِعُونَ أُولَئِكَ يُسَارِعُونَ فِي الْخَيْرَاتِ وَهُمْ لَهَا سَابِقُونَ We covered this in Surah Mu'minun. These are the people who are afraid and trembling and so forth. Allah talks about these pious people. Aisha radiallahu anha, she asked Rasulullah, if I remember correctly, that Ya Rasulullah, uh, are these the people These are the people who spend the night in zina These are the people who spend the night drinking These are, spend the, night, these are the people who, who, who commit thief, thievery No, no, no He said, no, no, no These are not the people committing these are the, these are the people who actually spend the nights in qiyam Spend the days in fasting Yet they're afraid that their deeds are not going to get accepted So their fear Honestly The sahaba and the tabi'een Their fear of their deeds not being accepted Was greater than our fear for our, over our sins The fear that they had For their deeds not being accepted Far exceeds The fear any one of us have Even after committing major mistakes Why is that so? It's because they knew Allah In a manner that you and I don't know Him When you know someone And you know their capabilities And you know their strengths You be careful around them Why does a child Want to put some electrical Wants to put a knife Or a fork or a scissor inside electrical socket. Why? Is it, is it really because he's courageous? No. It's because he's foolish. It's because he's ignorant. It's because he doesn't know what he's doing. Not because he's courageous. You're like, Masumala, as an adult of 40 years old, I've never done that. MashaAllah, my three-year-old's doing it. Right? No. That's because he's ignorant. Nothing for you to be proud about. <clears throat> he just doesn't know. Similarly, when a person stands up against Allah sinning, it's not because he is the audacity to do it. Wow, he's, he's courageous. No, it's because he's jahil. He doesn't know who he's messing with. The Sahaba radiallahu anhu marda and the awliya, they know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why they're scared that if these deeds don't get accepted, we'll be in big trouble. So here we go. Every tashahud, what do we say? Allahumma, what's that last dua we read? Allahumma inni. Look at the translation. Let's go through the translation. Allahumma inni valamtu nafsi. Oh Allah. Inni, emphasis number one. Indeed, I. Valamtu has oppressed, have oppressed. Nafsi myself. It would have been sufficient. Already with one emphasis, inni, but no. <clears throat> Instead, jumla ismiya, by the way, gives you the meaning of dawam. A nominal sentence gives you the meaning of longevity, and long you know, just something that's long term. So here, we could have said, valamtu nafsi, I have oppressed myself. But Allah didn't say that. He said, oh, the dua doesn't teach us that. The dua teaches us, inni valamtu nafsi. Which makes it into a nominal sentence, Jumla Ismiya, which means it's always continuously in this state. 
Indeed, I have oppressed myself. And then he doesn't stop there. Mafur mutlaq, dhulman, an oppression. Then stop there. Isifa of the mafur mutlaq, kathiran, immense oppression. Allah may need the love of the kathiran. Okay. Then, Allah, Ya Allah, forgive me. No. Then say that. Wala yaghfiru dhunub. No one can forgive any sin. Illa ant. For emphasis, it could be Ya Allah, you are the one who forgives sins. That's one way of saying it. Another way of saying it with much stronger emphasis is no one can forgive sins besides you. Then what should I do? Faghfirli, Ya Allah forgive me. We could stop there, but then stop there. Faghfirli, maghfira. Maghfir mutlaq again. Allah forgive me with a special forgiveness. Then stop there. Mina indika, that comes directly from you. Okay, doesn't stop there. Faghfirli, maghfir min indik. Warhamni, after forgiveness, then have mercy upon me in the future. Doesn't stop there. Innaka, indeed you are. Al Ghafur, most forgiving. Al Rahim, most merciful. By Kwonsa Braguna How many people did you just kill after, before you said this dua? You know, how many people did you rob? How many people did you cheat? I just prayed Isha Salah with the Imam. I just prayed my three rakat with her. I just prayed my Salatul Hajjah. I just prayed my Fajr in the Masjid. <laughs> this is what we're supposed to recite. Think about this. Every single day in our Tashahud, we are been taught to recite this dua. That has been narrated by Abu Bakr Siddiq anhu. After our Fard Salah Wow After doing the most noble action in, the, in Islam Salah We are being asked to Ask Allah's forgiveness In this powerful, most humbling manner Beloved friends This is what deen is about Deen is you keep work hard and hard But then always be afraid That it might not get accepted Because why? It's not about exchanging gifts You know how we say you give a gift to one another. Okay, by you know, it's just something amongst your home. But imagine you've been asked to get, you're, you're, going to, you're going with a presidential delegation and you're going overseas and you are going to be received by an official governmental or presidential level delegation in the other country. And you've been tasked to give a gift. Representing your country. You cannot just go grab something that someone gave you last week. It's sitting in your closet and say, Chalo, <laughs> pass me down you know, Pass it around You can't do that You're gonna be thinking A week in advance A month in advance What can I give to the President That will be acceptable to him He has got everything My beloved brothers We are giving our deeds to who? To Allah We are presenting it in his court Allah doesn't need my salah Then subhanallah That's why the fear is About quality Quality, quality Of what quality it is so this is what you see here Is that these believers are constantly seeking forgiveness from Allah And saying Allah turn Jahannam away from us Actually, What does gharama mean? Gharam, gharim, gharim means Something that is attached to you You know that's why in Arabic The one who, who, you, who, who we owe money to He's called gharim Because he's gonna be always chasing us down Saying where's my money? Where's my money? Where's my money? So it's called gharim Madyun and the gharim The one who owes the money is the madyun the one who, who is, the, who is the, the one who gave out the credit, he's going to be called the gharim. Because he's going to be attached to you all the time. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning here that these people are seeking forgiveness and protection from Jahannam. And then they say, Ya Allah, Jahannam is not a small little thing for a, you know, for a little bit of time. It is gharama. Jahannam's punishment is something that is going to be forever. A moment of reflection. When the people of the, the magicians of Fir'aun decided to turn their back against Fir'aun due to the miracle that they saw at the hands of Musa, 
alayhi salam. He threatened to not only kill them, but to cut off their hands and their feet, and then crucify them after that. What did they tell him? We did Surah Taha in our tafsir as well. They told him, do whatever you want. Why can we stand here and say, do whatever you want? Because all you can do is you can harm our worldly life. You have no control. As soon as a soul comes out, you can chop our body to a million pieces. doesn't make a difference. Whatever torture you want to give us is as long as we're alive. After that, you have no jurisdiction. And if we choose to follow you and disobey the Prophet Musa, then whenever we die, 50 years from now, whatever, that death, even if it's painful, is just the beginning of the non-stop punishment of the hereafter. Subhanallah. So it's important as we think about what's happening overseas, and you see the believers passing away, even though they may be die- those last few moments before their soul comes out from whatever chemical warfare that they may be enduring, or other things, understand that that pain, inshallah, also Allah will not make them feel that pain as a shaheed. But even if they have to go through that pain, it will only be to elevate their status in Jannah. And as soon, as soon as that pulse dies, their souls are in paradise. And what they are enjoying there, no one can even imagine. So if a person compares himself, a broken leg and an amputated leg, big difference. Broken leg can get fixed, an amputated leg gone. Big difference. So that's why small punishment of this dunya is like a broken leg. That's a amputated leg. That means you can never fix it. You can never gain it. The gharama, that jahannam, the fire is never going to detach itself from the disbelievers. It is certainly an evil place to settle in and to reside. Two words have been used here, right? Um, that mustaqar is, is a place to settle, muqaman is a place to reside. Either both of them are referring to. A, non, a non-stop, long, forever, eternal place in Jahannam. And some ulama have explained that no, mustaqarun is referring to a temporary place and muqaman is referring to a long-term place. Meaning, those believers who sin and do not repent or who repent and whose repentance is not accepted, may Allah protect us from falling into this category, then these people will be going into Jahannam as well. But it will be mustaqar for them. Meaning, short-lived. Or any, it will not be long term. It will be for however many years Allah wills for them. And then eventually Allah will pull them out. And those people who died without Iman, for them the hellfire will be muqaman. And those people, next asifaf, number five. Yes, can we count? Number five. All right. Those people, the believers are those when they spend, lam yusrifu, they do not spend wastefully. وَلَمْ يَقْتُرُوا nor stingily وَكَانَ بَيْنَ ذَلِكَ قَوَامًا but moderately in between this is amazing عِبَادُ Rahman are not only focused on ibadah they're not only focused on tahajjud and qiyamul layl عِبَادُ Rahman are holistic complete human beings their approach to life is very pragmatic they prepare for the hereafter, but they know they have to live in this world. They know they have to live in this world. So they live in this world in a manner that is not only beneficial for them in the hereafter, but is also beneficial for them in this world. That is why a Muslim, 
Subhanallah is the most successful A true Muslim will be the most successful in everything In his career, in his business In anything he puts his hand in If he follows the principles of deen, he will be successful This is something we should be proud about That our deen does not teach us to be hermits Our deen doesn't just teach us to be uh, The mats of the masjid Instead our deen teaches us to be Taking our deen in all spheres of life Many times, one of the most famous questions is How do you balance deen and dunya? And the answer is for a believer He brings his deen into the dunya And so his dunya also becomes deen And a disbeliever or a, dis, or a fasiq He brings his dunya into his deen So even his deen doesn't re- remain as deen As Allah says in the Quran وَمَا كَانَ صَلَاتُمْ عِنْدَ الْبَيْتِ إِلَّا مُكَاءً that their ibadat around the house of Allah, Kaaba, the kuffar, is just play, clapping and noises. Look at what happens today in the various places of worship. Where is the real humility and humbleness and begging in front of Allah for, sin, uh, for, for their sins and asking for guidance? And where is tamasha? Just non-stop other random things are happening besides the actual ibadah from singing to music to everything else. Feel good type of stuff. That's what the Quran says. So what happens is when you bring, when you don't have proper insight and foresight and proper deen, then the deen also becomes dunya. And when you have proper deen, then the dunya also becomes deen. So here we are being taught that how should a person handle his books? How do you budget your books? That for a believer, a person needs to ensure that he takes a life of moderation. Nahas said, "Woman أَحْسَنَ مَا قِيلَ فِي مَعْنَاهُ أَنَّ مَنْ أَنْفَقَ فِي غَيْرِ طَاعَةِ اللَّهِ فَهُوَ الْإِسْرَافِ وَمَنْ أَمْسَكَ عَنْ طَاعَةِ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ فَهُوَ الْإِقْتَارِ وَمَنْ أَنْقَعَ وَمَنْ أَنْفَقَ فِي طَاعَةِ اللَّهِ فَهُوَ الْقِوَامِ." He said, "One of the best tafsirs of this ayah is that whoever spends his wealth in the disobedience of Allah, that is going to be called israf. Anything, even if you spend one dollar in haram, that's called israf. But it's only one dollar. One dollar scratch." Lottery ticket One dollar What I come on One dollar It's Israf Haram Even if it's one dollar Not permissible So many the kids They want to go Put one dollar Into those machines What do you call those Machines where you can Go get a teddy bear What not You know A crane That's not permissible Right Because it's gambling You don't know What you're going to get There's nothing You don't know what it is, it is Whether you're going to Actually get something or not Most of the time You're not going to get anything either but now what happens? It says just one dollar, the kid is going to get happy. No, we want you to make the kid happy, but not through disobedience of Allah. Go buy him, go actually buy him a $14 toy, or $12 toy, instead of spending one dollar in this. So israf is uh, anything spent in, dis- in disobedience. And iqtar, he says, what is iqtar? It's stinginess. Anytime you hold your hand back from a, an obedience of Allah, and a good place of, wor- of, of, of ibadah, a good place of spending You're stingy Anytime you spend money Even a dollar In a place of haram A person is doing israf Anytime a person withholds From spending in a place that is good He's being stingy in According to Allah What's qawam? Spending whatever you can In Allah's path In any obedience Allah's path is On your spouse on your children, on your local masjid, on the orphans, on building a school, building a water plant, whatever it is. Any type of obedience of Allah, that's called qawam. Ibn Abbas mentions, Man anfaqa haqqin Whoever spends 100,000 in a good 
project or a good avenue, فَلَيْسَ بِسَرَفْ He has not committed extravagance. وَمَنْ أَنْفَقَ دِرْهَمًا فِي غَيْرِ حَقِّ فَهُوَ سَرَفْ And whoever spends even one coin in a place where he should not have, he has committed sarf, israf. وَمَنْ مَنَعَ مِنْ حَقٍ عَلَيْهِ And whoever withholds money from a fulfillment of a right that was obligated upon him. Like taking care of your mom and dad, taking care of your spouse, taking care of your children, taking care of those who are, who are under your responsibility. That is qatar, that is what is called stinginess. So, uh, this is a, the question as today, how, how do we, how do we um, have barakah in our spending? I think this is all of us wondering, how do we bring barakah to our uh, bank balance? And that is what is being taught over here. That when it comes to your expenses, make sure we lead a life of moderation. Do not spend more than you can afford. And this is our biggest problem in this country. Why why are their credit cards flooded? Even seven-year-olds receive credit cards. And everyone's getting pre-approved credit cards. Why is there constantly a push to buy more? Consumerism. Black Friday coming up at the end of the month. And all the other, Prime Day, and this day, and that day continuous push towards purchasing is that now you have a group of people who purchase um, what they do not have what they do not need what they do not need with money that they do not have to achieve what they will never get happiness they will never get it there are always people are purchasing what they don't need with money that they don't have by taking on loans by taking on things of that sort this has destroyed our Muslim community and of course of course the non-Muslim community no doubt uh, it's very sad Very very sad Subhanallah Of how people are Are living in poverty The top 1% Is becoming trillionaires And the rest of the country The gap Between the The average person And the wealthier class Is becoming larger And larger across the globe Never has it been This, this Much disparity In this country As what we see now Even this, especially In this past few years And that middle class As they say is keeps on shrinking And a big chunk of it Is because of our Spending habits and you know we don't want to talk about this stuff right but we just got to talk about it because you're here tonight so we talk about stuff what you don't like to hear as well what needs to be spoken about a big chunk is about like for example purchasing our car purchasing our home how many of us live in a home that we cannot afford in a home that we actually don't need that large of a home with money that we've borrowed and we've been 20 years and we still haven't paid it off for what? it seems that there's no barakah of course there's going to be no barakah if you're involved in riba how is there going to be barakah? If you're involved in extravagance, how is there going to be barakah? So people are earning so much, but they're still at the end, at the end of the month say, I don't know where my money went. Uh, and I can't give. I won't be able to even purchase a fundraising ticket. I'm purchasing, making 200K. But I'm sorry, I don't have money to purchase a fundraising ticket for December 9th. Because I don't have money. Okay, let's talk about that. Forget the fundraising ticket. Now let's talk about your finances. Why do you not have money? Well, it's because of Israf. It's because people are spending in places where they should not or spending in places where they are allowed to, but way, way, way more than they can afford. And because and what is happening, they're just looking at the person down the street. He has a house like this. How can I have a house smaller than that? My cousin has got a, my sibling moved into such a neighborhood. How can I not live in that neighborhood? He's got he went to such a expensive gated community. How can I not go to that gated community? And so forth. So we don't need to we don't like to address this, but honestly, this is the problem. We have a very bad habit of spending. Now, we talk so with youth. The kids I always tell the madrasa kids, stop spending all your money eating out. Right? You get, you get little money per month. You're not earning anything. Why are you sitting there wasting money? 
I mean, okay, so the brothers who own halal restaurants, I'm not speaking to you all. Uh, may Allah put barakah in your earnings. There's enough people who are not here tonight who are going to keep on buying. And there's most of the people who are not going to even take heed from what I'm saying anyway. So you don't have to worry about your business. Inshallah, your business will continue to flourish. Right? Who said you're not allowed to eat? You can allow to go eat out. Go. But moderation. Every single day you're stopping to get a cup of coffee. Every single day you're going out to eat burgers. Every single day you're going to go out to get this and that. And... You say, anytime you say, give sadaqah, brother, I'm a student. You're a student. You can't give $10 to an orphan. But look at your bank. Look what you spent. You spent $150 on food this past week. This isn't the norm. You tell me. Right? The norm, the kids, all the time. Then forget about entertainment and movies and, and rides and everything else. We're not even going that direction. But we're just talking about, you know, we, everyone's just acting like, subhanAllah, he's got an endless pot of gold. And uh, they're just charging on their card. Hazrat Qari Ayyub Daman Barakatum Ustad, he'd given us advice, marriage advice, back in 2002 or 3. And he, one day he told us, he said, You know, when you get married, he was speaking to students who are graduating as ulama, you know? So the average, obviously, scholar's pay is going to be the way the system it runs in this world, is going to be much less than a professional's pay. We know that. So he said, Remember, when you, when you, the key to your life with your spouse is moderation. He said, Now you get married. And you're so trigger happy, you're so happy, mashallah, you got this amazing wife, you stayed away from haram your whole life. Allah gave you this awesome wife now. You're so excited to be spending time with her. So now, every single day you go out to eat. First, you know, four-star restaurant, three restaurants, and then you say, you know, I gotta up up my game. It's already been the third day now. What are you gonna think? Every day the same place? Can't you just go to carry out and, you know, uh, what you call uh, drive throughs and quick places to eat? We gotta go to fine dining. And then you got the candlelight dinner and so forth. Now the bill's coming hundred and so. Mashallah, she's like, well, mashallah, I guess my husband, mashallah, I guess he's got a side business that I'm not aware of, you know, whatever it is. And he says, now seven days, alhamdulillah, you took her out to eat and you got her this gift, that gift. And now you look at the bill, you're looking at your salary, you're looking at your bill. So how is it going to happen? They say when uh, Mulana, you know, they said the Mulana every single time he'd receive his, his um, what you call, uh, his salary from the mutawalli of the masjid, he would start sneezing. He would start sneezing so much. Stuff <laughs> is sad also, it's a joke also, but it's sad reality as well. So after the third, fourth month, they said this new Imam Sahib is always sneezing. Every time we, give, we call him and give him a salary in his hand, he sneezes. So said, Sahib, what's wrong? Why are you sneeze? He said, why? Because I'm allergic to peanuts. Right? I'm allergic to peanuts. And you're giving me peanuts, so what's going to happen? That's why I start sneezing. And so unfortunately, this is, this is the sad reality in many parts of the, of, the, of the, not just the world, but even, subhanAllah, in this part of the world, United States and Canada, uh, there are people who honestly... Uh, to give their imams $1,500, $1,800 for leading seven days. You know, I, I, wish, I wish there was an exposure, we should expose these type of places, right? And, 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 and un- defund them to say, no, if you're going to treat your most important person of the community because of which we're all here, then, you know, you don't deserve to be in a, in a leadership position. But unfortunately, it's very sad, the type of cheap, most of you don't know this. That's why I'm telling you, because I was in England over the summer and somehow this question came up. And subhanAllah, one of the main imams of the entire community who's like well-known about 100, 200 masjids. They, call, they told me before, he's a lion of our area. So subhanAllah, he spoke up. And he just started saying, he said, you know, ask these people. They say the imam must do this and this and this and this and this and this. But just ask them, how much are they paying us? Just ask them. He said, what, 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 what are these type of people doing? And then subhanAllah, yani he, was, he was pouring his heart. He was speaking on behalf of all the other ulama. It's true. Very, I was very shocked when I went to England. Very shocked for those people from UK who listen to me and those who have relatives. It's a big shame on our community 
that subhanAllah you have uh, you know, $100,000 plus cars coming into the parking lot of that same masjid I spoke at and the imam was crying. Bentleys, wallahi al-azim, time. I saw Bentleys coming in for Lohar. And the imam is saying here that subhanAllah if only you knew what we get. So that's a different story. Where, did I, where was I speaking about before? Huh? Qari, the advice he said. So now he says seven days a person, he keeps on spending and now he's looking at his peanuts and he's looking at the credit card bill. Boy. Right? So what happens? The next week now, mashallah, he's, 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 he's in. Dear, we're going to have dinner at home. I've gotten some tuna fish and mayonnaise. We're going to sit there and make a little sandwich. And the next day, he's like, dear, we're gonna, I don't want to you know, bother you cooking, but so I got peanut butter jelly and some bread. You know? So now, all of a sudden, by the third day, when this, your, 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 uh, your, uh, your things have changed at home, the flowers have dried up. They've become black now. They're stinking from last week. You could even replace the flowers. Now the wife says, oh my God, my husband doesn't like me. This is a problem. You know, what he's, he, why he hates me? Now she's crying. She goes to her mom, says, okay, this is a problem. We need some help. The problem is not your wife, your husband doesn't hate you. He simply can't afford this lifestyle. So he said, you know, young Mulvis, he said, listen, don't lead, don't start up your marriage life in, with such a high fi style that you can't keep up with it. And then the next week comes around or the next month comes around and you look at the budget, you're like, I can't afford this anymore. And you do a nosedive. And that causes a nosedive in your relationship. And then how are you going to say it? That, oh, I was just, just, I couldn't afford it. Why? Why, why live it beyond your means? You married, whoever you married, well, this is how we live. This is, this is my lifestyle. So this is not for ulama only advice. This is for everyone. That all of us need to learn how to uh, spend in moderation. And in this excitement that we have, whether over our son or daughter. Someone say, now for example, your child, your son is getting married. MashaAllah, Mubarak. Thank you. I'm, I'm very happy for your happiness, for your son's happiness. We'll make dua for him. Your daughter is getting married. I'm very happy for that. But just because your son and daughter is getting married does not make sense for you to spend 80% of your assets. There are people who have themselves told me that they have sold their, their passed down plots, land that their dad left them overseas. They sold it. Like, that's the gold, man. That's something you bank on. That you, you know, that your family, your kids can have in the future. Allah forbid, don't know what happens here. Well, because we got something that you can sell and use for that. So no, I sold all that land. But what did you sell it for? For my daughter's wedding. Why? What are we doing? This israf is gonna hurt you. And then the same people will say, that I don't have money for this, I don't have money for that. So why is this? Because we're not following the deen. What is the economic teaching of the deen? Is that you stay away from any be going beyond the extremes? Abdul Malik bin Marwan uh, was one of the earliest and most powerful Umayyad Khalifas. Did a lot of good work as well. Uh, it was during his time that um, the nuqtas were placed um, on the Quran on the letters of the Quran and lots of different things. He, he's the first one who uh, uh, who. Uh, placed a Arabic emblem and, 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 uh, on the coins, all the coins. So his daughter, she's a princess of the Amir al-Mu'mineen, right? Fatima bint Abdul Malik uh, bin Marwan. He intended to get her married to Sufisa. Who's a Sufisa? Umar ibn Abdul Aziz. Umar Abdul Aziz is known as the fifth guided Khalifa, right? So he asked him, he said, uh, how, what is your expenses? How do you handle your expenses of your home? He wanted to know how is his daughter going to be, what type of lifestyle she's going to have. So look at the answer. He said, Ya Amir al Mu'minin, Nafakati Hasanatun Baina Sayyatain. Hasanatun Baina Sayyatain, MashaAllah. He said, My way of dealing with expenses is Hasana, a good 
Baina sayyatin between two sins. A virtue between two sins. What was he referring to? Yes, what was he referring to? Huh? From where? Where, you, where did you hear this last? Look up. Right here. Right? What is that? Right? This is the good deed. Qawaman is a hasana between two sins. What's the two sins? Wastefulness and stinginess. Right? Look at how he was communicating with his future father-in-law, the Amir al-Mu'mineen. He said, you want to, how can you say anything to that? The way he answered it. He said, I'm going to have a lifestyle of hasanatun bayna sayyatain. A good deed between two sins. Can anyone like, oppose that? This is such a beautiful, powerful answer. Right? The Quran mentions in Surah Bani Israel, Allah mentions, وَلَا تَجْعَلْ يَدَكَ مَغْلُولَةً إِلَىٰ عُنُقِكَ Do not take your hands and make it like a toq, like a, a, a necklace or a shackle around your neck like this. Don't take your hands and tie it to your neck. Meaning, stinginess. وَلَا تَبْسُطْهَا كُلَّ الْبَسْطِ And don't open up your hands fully either. فَتَقْعُدَ مَلُومًا مَحْسُورًا Otherwise, you are going to be suffering a life of lament. People will be blaming you for mismanagement of the money. Mahsura, and you will be angry at yourself. Hasrat mein hoge. You will be suffering uh, sadness because you have no more money left. And, st- and if you're stingy, then everyone will be upset at you. So this is amazing. I want you to understand how beautiful our deen is that teaches us how to balance our books and how to lead a financially stable life. The Prophet ﷺ said, Ma'ala maniqtasada. Whoever leads a life of moderation and spending, Ma'ala, he will never become poor. He will never become poor. And of course, we have our reading of Surah Al-Waqi'ah every single day for the protection from poverty. We should give sadaqah for the protection of poverty. Stay away from haram and riba for the barakah in our business. And that list is, is there. But keep in mind that we have to teach us ourselves and our children and our spouses of how to ensure that we uh, spend only in proper places and also spend in a manner that is appropriate. Now someone may say, why about Umar Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu when he said, um, when Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu when he was asked ya Ras- by Rasul sallam, what did you bring? Rasul sallam said, did not ask him what did you bring? He asked him, ما أبقيت لأهلك. What did you leave behind for your family? And he said, أبقيت لهم الله ورسوله. I have left for them Allah and Rasul. So you remember that someone just asked me this morning this question. Honestly, said about oh, what about Abu Bakr radiallahu? And I said, well, you know what? You're not Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu. You're not. Even the other Sahaba were not Abu Bakr. Even Umar radiallahu was not Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu. That is why when people would want to come and give out all their money to Rasulullah would he accept it? No, he would not accept it. Today you're, you're excited and you're moved and you want to give everything. Tomorrow you're going to be standing on the footpath begging for money. Third day you're going to say, oh, this is the deen of Muhammad wasallam. Look, I, I lost everything. That is why Nabi wasallam would not take money from everyone. Especially all of it. He would take based on how much they can handle. So we are not in the level of Abu Bakr Siddiq anhu. We should give in even good places to a degree that we can handle. Uh, and uh, if uh, someone has uh, jazbah and desire to give more, mashallah, tabarak wa ta'ala, we're not going to stop them. But we're going to say, make sure your fara'id are taken care of. Very few people probably are going to fall into this category that their children are dying hungry, wife doesn't have clothes, and the person is giving sadaqah. 
all of it. So if someone is doing like that, then of course that's wrong. But besides that, if a person is taking care of the basic necessities of home, and a person wants to give a little bit beyond what the usual people do, that is acceptable. What is qiwama? It's mentioned Umar ibn Khattab anhu when he came to Sham, when he came to Damascus, he said to Abu Ubaidah anhu, the leader of the entire Syrian front, he said, "Idhab bina ila manzilik. Chalo, I'm here. I want to come check out your house." Amir al-Mu'minin wants to check out his governor, his general's house. He said, وَمَا تَصْنَعُ بِمَنْزِلِي What are you going to do with my home? What are you going to do with my house? قَالَ إِذْهَبْ بِنَا إِلَيْهِ Just take me. I want to go see your house. قَالَ مَا تُرِيدُ إِلَّا أَن تَعْصِرَ عَيْنِكَ عَلَيَّ He says, it seems that you just want to really, you know, spy on me. Just be, you just want, it seems like you want to really look into every little nook and corner of my house and to see my lifestyle. فَدَخَلَ مَنْزِلَهُ Umar entered the house of Abu Ubaidah. فَلَمْ يَرَى شَيْئًا He didn't see anything. Empty. Completely empty. فَقَالَ Umar, أَيْنَ مَتَاعُكَ He asked him, Oh Abu Ubaidah, where is all your furniture? فَإِنِّي لَا أَرَى إِلَّا لَبِدًا وَشِنًّا وَصَحْفَةً وَأَنْتَ أَمِيرٌ He says, because I only see a few basic things. A water bowl, a little, uh, 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 you know, a mat. And that's it. Where is your food? Uh, where is your other furniture? You are the Amir. Do you have food? Abu Ubaidah stood up to a corner and he brought a few broken, crumbled pieces of bread. Umar, Umar began to cry. He said, A meaning could be, means to squeeze. You will squeeze your eyes, meaning you will cry if you come, if you, and that would probably be a more appropriate translation than what I had done before. That indeed you will cry if you come see me. He had told him first. So that's why he didn't want him to come to his house. And sure enough, he cried. So then he said, that's why I told you, don't come here because you're going to cry. And then he said, يَكْفِيكَ مِنَ dunya." He says, it is sufficient to take from the dunya that which will get you to your resting spot. Where are we going to rest? In the akhirah. We just need to barely get enough to get to the other side. Umar radiallahu anhu, the man you and I know already, he said, as crying, he said, غَيَّرَتْنَا dunya kullana." Dunya has changed all of us. غَيْرَكَ يَا أَبَعُ Except for you. You have not been changed. Beloved brothers and sisters, reading, the, there's, a whole, there's a whole genre of Tazkiyah, or a whole subject in Tazkiyah called as zuhud There is a book downstairs, I know, I think we sold out copies when we were reading from it, the, the uh, uh, Kitab al-Zuhd of Abdullah Mubarak. It is important for us to read the lifestyle of Sahaba, lifestyle of Rasulullah and the lifestyle of the pious predecessors, of simplicity. The purpose of it is because we have really, myself, we've gone out of bounds. We are leading a life of not of needs, but absolute desires. Upon desires, upon desires. And we need to curb this. So the one way to curb it is to simply start reading about the gold standard. Not to say we're going to emulate that. Not to say that we're going to just give everything away and going to eat crumbs tonight. No. But if it can at least stop us from spending an extra thousand dollars in unnecessary expenses, that's a mission accomplished. And using that thousand to give to those who don't have simple food and water today.
This is why it's important for us to keep in our mutala and constantly reading stories and a hadith regarding zuhd, which is asceticism. When a person reads books on zuhd or stories of zuhd, we will feel as though we are hypocrites. We will feel as though we're hypocrites. And that's a good feeling. You're going to say, should I leave my home today? Should I leave my car today? No, I'm not saying that. I want us to go to, I want to go to bed in a state where I feel guilty over being ungrateful to Allah. And feeling overwhelmed with debt for all the blessings Allah has given me. And making a decision that I'm going to ensure that the wealth which is an amana from Allah will be spent in the most righteous manner. That's the purpose. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you to sell your home. I'm not saying to sell your car. I'm not saying to sell your shoes. The point is simply it's an issue of the heart. If a person has all of this, but his heart is disconnected from that, that's fine. But the problem is when our heart is desirous, constant greed for more and more and more, this is where the issue arises and this is what we are supposed to be refraining from. Much more subhanAllah has been written and I wish I could speak more about this honestly. Um, uh, but inshallah, I guess for a different time, we, you know, uh, we, this, these sections I told you are, are something I cannot do justice for. Honestly, I wish I could spend one session per ayah. Because these are the qualities of the Ibadur Rahman that are important for us to implement. There's so much in the Quran related to each one of these um, verses. Umar radiallahu anhu giving advice to his son. He told one of his sons, actually, the grandfather of who? Umar ibn Abdul Aziz. Umar ibn Aziz's grandfather. His name was Asim. Umar radiallahu anhu told his son Asim. He said, Ya Bunaya, kul fi nisfi batanak. Kul fi nisfi batanik. Eat only to half of your full. Wala tatrah thawban hatta tastakhliqahu. Do not throw away any clothes until you have used it excessively and made it old. And wala takun min qawmin yaj'aluna ma razaqahumullahu fi butunihim wa ala zuhurihim. Do not be with that group of people who exclusively take Allah's risk and spend it on their stomach and on their bodies. Those are the worst useless people who spend everything that Allah has given them on filling their belly and on dressing themselves up or wearing shoes, clothes, car, etc. That's all part of the yani body. And that is why it's mentioned about one of the tabi'een. I think so it was one of the tabi'een. He said that, I saw Umar radiallahu anhu giving a khutbah. And as he was standing giving the khutbah, he had 12 to 13 patches on his clothes. Amir al-Mu'mineen, given khutbah. But in that state, he's got 12 to 13 patches on his clothes. If a person cannot wear patched clothes, at least make sure that we give away our clothes to those who are in need. And do not keep unnecessary extra clothes in our home. Go through the wardrobe, give away extra clothes to poor people who need it. There's no need for us to have 50 pairs. You don't wear it, you know you don't wear 50 pairs. However much you need, keep that. And give away. And when you feel like, okay, I want to wear nice ones. Okay, no problem, that's fine. You have the wealth to do that. But then give away the other ones. There are so many people who would do anything to appreciate your old clothes. They would love it. All over, even in this country and beyond, of course. So this is part of the way we are supposed to lead our life. By reading the stories of Zuhud, we realize that how our hearts are supposed to be disconnected from these material things. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring the reality of this into my heart and into your hearts. Uh, and may He not make these simple words that we hear, but allow us to implement it into our, our life and in, in, in to lead by example. 
Amin ya Rabbil Alameen Inshallah let's take some questions um, uh, Slido 4955870 Is this the same number every time? Yes, right? So it's the same number If you have it saved It'll be easy You can, you can send questions Throughout the tafsir as well Because it's the same QR code 495-870-495-5870 And you can Inshallah also take a Picture of it as well If you need to and then if you do not get a weekly text messages, you're attending first time tafsir, and you would like to, be, uh, you would like to uh, receive a message, please, um, inshallah, uh, um, you know, scan this, and you'll receive text messages for reminders for the tafsirs. And this is the dua I had mentioned for us to memorize. Please take a picture of it if you can, if, or download it somewhere else. This is the dua, what we call, unut nazila. When we read, when the ummah is going through difficulty. So this is a dua we should be reciting, inshallah, for our brothers and sisters across the globe. Uh, every salah, if you cannot memorize the Arabic dua by now, then at least read the translation of it or find the transliteration. It's called qunut nazila. Alhamdulillah, we do it here every single morning after Salatul Fajr at 6.15. Join us for Salatul Fajr and join the qunut nazila every morning that takes place here. But besides that, recite this dua after every fard salah on your own as well. And um, we have, inshallah, our December 9th uh, uh, b- b- banquet, annual banquet. Uh, b- uh, we have less than, we have one month left, about a month left, inshallah. I request all of you, brothers who own a business, if you own a business of any sort, or you know someone who owns a Muslim business, security business, restaurant, towing company, uh, dry cleaning, uh, carpet cleaning, garage service, AC, plumbing, whatever it is. We want to have a collection of Muslim businesses that we can support. We're always being told to support each other, right? We need to. We need to ensure the money is spent within the community. We need to ensure there's enough people within the Muslim community who are doing businesses. Why go elsewhere? This is an opportunity for us to showcase our Muslim businesses of the Chicagoland area and those who have national businesses for them as well, who run websites, etc. I request you to hear, if you're, those of you hearing your mes- my, 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 my message here, please reach out to our office by text messaging the masjid number or email the masjid number, whatever a masjid email. Reach out to me, reach out to one of us to say, yes, I have a business that I would like to advertise. Or I know a Muslim brother who's got a, a business that people don't know about. And... Um, like, uh, you know, there's all sorts of stuff happening. Today, a Muslim lawyer called me and said, I just started an injury law office and I really want my, my business to be known in the Muslim community. I said, well, you called it the perfect time. You have 1,200 people in attendance, 1,200 people in attendance at the dinner. And then, inshallah, your ad for your business, not only will it be shown, showcased that day, but as a PDF, we'll be sharing it on our events group, Alhamdulillah, which has about 3,000 people or 3,000 plus people. And then it will be sent to about 17, 18,000 people over our listserv. And we will, inshallah, be sending it out every month or so. So that people can know all the businesses and, uh, based on services. So auto service is one, uh, you know, home services in one, uh, professional offices of doctors and dentists separately, separately, whatnot. So all of you who have some sort of business that you think the Muslim community can benefit from or can utilize, please reach out to us. Um, and share, share this message with as many people as possible because we only have a couple weeks before we can take in those ads and, and you can be a sponsor and a, uh, of this event inshallah secondly, if you have not already purchased your ticket I request you please brothers do not wait, purchase it today on your way out there's QR codes Fahim Bay is there, there's other students there who have got QR codes do not pass by them acting like you don't see them I didn't see you no, no, you see them brother, they're standing there how come you see the chai? 
Huh? You're waiting in line for the child. How come you can't see? Of course you see. You can clearly see. I'm telling you, they're there. So don't, don't uh, just pass by, write them. Please purchase your ticket today and purchase it for your wife, purchase it for your kids. Those women who are here, please purchase it as well um, uh, for your family. And I know there are certain brothers who may not be able to afford it. Okay, honestly, if you do not have $125 in your pocket, Alhamdulillah, what your job is share this message. There's enough people who have a lot more than that. Share this message to them that we need you to be present, to show your support. Alhamdulillah, this is the 10th anniversary of Masjid Darussalam since, the day, since it opened July 3rd, 2013. Um, so not since the project started, of course, much longer than that. But the Masjid opened its doors in 2013. And this inshallah will be an awesome opportunity for us to reflect on the past and build the future. You'll learn how, what, the, what the future looks like for Darussalam and all of you. And what are the amazing accomplishments of this community. So please mark your calendars inshallah, Saturday, December 9th. Um, and these are some of the programs that we have Saturday nights, we're, Thursday nights we're doing khatira from the book called Sacrifice Every single Saturday we have a different breakfast I'm told this week we have an Iraqi Saudi breakfast, mashallah um, So every week we've got some different breakfast going on And different dars as well And these are community brothers and sisters uh, uh, events that are taking place Okay, sisters, volleyball, sisters, basketball, etc So these are all the um, announcements Let's inshallah quickly answer some questions It is not okay to listen to music while studying, while exercising, while in the masjid, while whatever you are doing. Is it is it riba to if you purchase a home through Islamic financing? If there is no, if there if not, is there less or no barakah in purchasing a home through this way? <clears throat> you know, the best obviously is to go through no banks at all, through uh, uh, schemes that we can create within ourselves, or you know, within uh, someone who's got three hundred thousand to invest. He says, there's a house for 250. Give you an example. I'll buy this house for 250 and I'll sell it to you for 275. And you pay me every month. Alright, alhamdulillah, that's just between two brothers. If that's some things like that would happen, that would be great. Uh, if not, you know, Islamic banking is obviously going to be one of a better option. And we don't have the slide here. We should have had it. But we have our winter intensive. Winter intensive this year is outstanding topics. Outstanding topics. All contemporary, complex, fiqhi issues that you are always thinking about, but you don't know where to discuss. So one of those topics is going to be about Islamic finance and riba in a non-Muslim country. And that's going to be spoken about. Um, amongst many other amazing, amazing topics that we've got um, uh, you know, planned out for this, this winter intensive, December 23rd to 25th. All my friends go to movie theaters and tell me there's nothing Islamic wrong and going, they ask me why, why it's not good, how am I supposed to respond? When a person, Yani, if a, it just, you know, sometimes people don't understand things because they're just not part of the environment. Like a person may not understand music haram or, or, or watching this haram or that haram. You just think about the music that a person is exposed to going to a movie theater. Just think about the environment that you're sitting next to, around. And then think about all the, 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 uh, the inappropriate images that a person sees. When a, for a Muslim, nudity is not what non-Muslims think is. It could be PJ-13 for us. But if someone's hair is exposed, someone's chest is exposed, someone's neck is exposed, someone's nape is exposed, this is all haram for us to look at. Okay? And besides that, subhanAllah, what is the, the, the uh, amount of wasting of time? The three hours sitting there watching this where the ummah is being slaughtered. Is this really the best way? One person who, uh, I mentioned this to some, you know, some in one gathering. I said, you know, every time you are get tempted to watch haram or waste your time, think about how many children have died today. Think how many people have been mercilessly killed today. And maybe that will knock some, some sense into you and you feel guilty and you'll stop. So one brother actually came up to me and said, SubhanAllah, this actually worked. He said, every time a temptation of shaitan comes to me to do something which I should not do, I actually think about that. 
I go quickly online and maybe check some images, see what videos of what's coming out of the past one hour. And I say, oh my God, this is what is those brothers and sisters getting tested to. How dare I sit there and I, do, I disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How do you get out of debt and rip out from loans if we're already deeply involved in it? One of the things you should, you should read Surah Al-Waqi'ah. Number two, read Allah makfini bi halalika an haramik wa aghnini bi fadlika amman siwak. Allahumma, Allahumma kfini bi halalika an haramik wa aghnini bi fadlika amman siwak. Allahumma kfini bi halalika an haramika wa aghnini bi fadlika amman siwak. Oh Allah, make your halal sufficient for me so I do not need your haram. Allahu Akbar. There's enough halal, I don't need haram. Make your halal sufficient for me so I don't turn my attention to haram. And make me self-sufficient through your grace from anyone besides you. So I only need you and I don't need the loan officer from the bank. So this dua is very powerful for fulfillment of debts. Dua after every salah. Giving sadaqah of, of, of some amount for this. And then honestly just making a decision that I'm done with riba. I'm done. And it's going to be painful. When you give up cigarette smoking, drinking liquor, wine, or any other type of drug. No one said it's painless. It's painful. You're going to have withdrawal syndromes. But you go through that pain because you know it's, it's the right thing to do. Not only Islamically speaking, but for your health as well. So to, go, to get out of riba, it may be painful initially. You may lose a lot of money in the first month, or the first week, or the first year. But it is definitely less painful than going at war with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I can tell you of many brothers who are sitting here and who come to this masjid at least, I can say whether they're sitting or not, I don't know. But who will tell you stories of how they were involved in riba. And the day they made tawbah and they went to their loan officer and said, I'm done. They came, the VP of the, pres- of the, of the bank came running to his office and saying, please, please, are you, are you crazy? Are you trying to shut yourself, your business down? Why, what are you talking about? We'll increase, we'll increase it. It's a drug. Imagine you tell your drug dealer or a drug dealer, said, oh, I'm not going to buy any more drugs. Well, he's going to be happy? No. So of course the loan officer say, no, we'll come up with something better. We'll lower the interest rates. We'll give you a higher line of credit. This is all the deception of shaitan, ya ikhwan. So he said, I said, no. He begged me. I said, no, I don't care. Are you planning to go out of business? I don't know, he said. I don't know, but I just, I'm going to do it. And he said, the first month, I thought, okay, I'm done. I'm going to lose my t-shirt, as they say. I'm going to lose my bunyan. I'm gone. And he said, Allahu Akbar, I cannot tell you Within two months, not 100%, more than 100% of the previous months, alhamdulillah, income he got. And the business from hundreds of thousands went into millions. And that's the rest is history. That first month, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to test him. But he said after that, it was just unbelievable. So there are many brothers who can share similar stories. Go talk to them. Ask them. Hey, you know, who's got a story of them giving up? Like you have Alcohol Anonymous. You sit, you sit with people and you hear success stories. We need to hear success stories of people who gave up riba. And you'll see what an amazing life they have. Fighting between husband and wife has come to an end. Disobedient children has come to an end. Infighting within the house has come to an end. So much more ability to give sadaqah. You can just write big checks all of a sudden that you couldn't write before. It seemed like there was never enough money to do anything. Now you have so much money. Why is that? Because you stop warring with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we have to lead by example. Inshallah, if you are firm in your intention, pray two rakat salatul hajjah and salatul tawbah every night. Ya Allah, I'm seeking forgiveness from going to war with you. At the same time, I'm not happy about it. I hate it. And I'm asking you to help me get out of it. Uh, as a student with future college tuitions to pay, should I donate or save to avoid loans and interest? 
you know, understand that sadaqah is one of your expenses. If you've got money to buy bubble tea, you should have money to give sadaqah. If you've got money to go skiing to the, to the mountains, then you should definitely have money to give sadaqah. People, as soon as you say sadaqah, they say, I got loans. But what about all the other expenses you're doing? This is subhanAllah deception of shaitan. I see so many young professionals who say, I got $400,000 to pay back in loans. So that's why I can't give sadaqah. But I just came back from XYZ island. And I'm, my next month, I'm going to this trip. But where is that? How is that possible? If you want to pay back all your loans, then put, you know, that's it. You're going to ride the bike. You're not even going to use the car. Use the bike, come to the masjid. Because you want to save money on gas. If you want to go all the way, say, inshallah, I'm going to pay back my loan in six months, by all means, do it. But what, what scares me is the nonchalant way, way people just are relaxed. They're like, yeah, inshallah, 20 years, Shaykh, I'll be, I'm ready to donate after 20 years. Yeah, you, you really trust yourself to be living after 20 years? I don't know if I'm going to make it out to the car. You don't know if you're going to make it out to the car. How do you sit there and say you're going to go to sleep with a $500,000 loan and that you're going to pay off in the next 20 years? So we have to get out of this, this, this habit of just thinking that, you know what, nothing's going to happen. We just got a bunch of loans and everything will be fine. Boy, a lot of questions. But uh, we don't really have time to get onto all of these. Um, uh, how can I get shifa from a chronic illness after seeing many doctors and not getting answers after many years? I spoke to two physicians today, experts in their field, experts in their field. Their daughter is, is very sick. They've been going to every single major, uh, you know, top-notch clinic in this country. And subhanAllah, so I asked the, the dad today, I said, so what's your next step? And this, I told you, whatever his daughter's got, they are one of the, probably the expert in the entire state in that field. And so subhanAllah, um, uh, uh, okay. So, you know, the, the a person, subhanAllah, he says, <laughs> this is the doctor is telling me, he said, I've pre- pretty much given up on medicine. He said, the Western medicine has nothing to offer us anymore, to our daughter, and I'm now looking for metaphysical cures. I said, mashallah, okay. You know, I gave him certain things and connected with certain other people. The point is, those of you who are suffering from a chronic illness and you can't f- seem to get treatment for it, then you need to look to the metaphysical realm which is adhkar and ruqya shari'ya and adhkar and sadaqah and hijama and sunnah you know tibb nabawi you know using medical treatments that have been mentioned in the sunnah using the black seed and honey and all those other type of things there are people who are experts in that and you can uh, you know inshallah benefit from, from those things alhamdulillah we'll end with um, uh, a very uh, beautiful night tonight that we have a brother alhamdulillah uh, who just decided to take the shahada takbir so inshallah let's have the brother come forward Inshallah, and we'll, we'll take the shahada. Uh, and and uh, if you give me a little story, Yaqub, Inshallah, the brother who brought, you know, it was he think, or he himself can share the story. I always like to hear a few words um, at a time when Islam is under attack and there's so much misinformation about Islam. You have people, Mashallah, converting to Islam. It's, it gives us so much hope. Alhamdulillah. So if the brother would like to share a few words, or your brother Yaqub would like to share, however, you know, I don't want to put the brother on the spot. It's up to you, whatever you feel like. Inshallah. Yeah, Inshallah, here. Uh, as far as my, <coughs> excuse me, losing my voice, I apologize. I'm losing my voice, so I apologize. Um, my, my background, I was, I was born and raised uh, Catholic, but for various reasons, I kind of lost my faith and was a little lost eff- effectively throughout life. Um, but there was always something that called me to Islam. And so I reached out found the website, and Brother Yaqub was kind enough to uh, contact me back, 
And through a series of conversations, here I am. Um, so I thank you uh, for the insight. Brother Mitch is around here. Thank you. <clears throat> and I also spoke with Grant. And so I thank you all very much for the time um, and for the insight. And I look forward to uh, the next chapters. So, inshallah. Uh, so you, uh, let, let me just repeat it in, in Arabic. Inshallah, the kalima shahada, you can repeat after me and you can maybe just keep the mic up front. And you can say it in English as well. Ashhadu. Ashhadu. Allah. Allah. Ilaha. Ilaha. Illallah. Illallah. Wa ashhadu. Wa ashhadu. Anna. Anna. Muhammadan. Muhammadan. Abduhu. 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 Ab. Abduhu. Wa rasooluh. I bear witness. I bear witness. I bear witness that there is none worthy of worship. That there is none worthy of worship. But Allah. But Allah. And I bear witness. And I bear witness that Muhammad. That Muhammad. May peace and blessings be upon him. May peace and blessings be upon him. Is Allah's mess, uh, is Allah's servant. Is Allah's servant. And messenger. And messenger. Takbir. 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 Alhamdulillah. Within the past week, brother Yaqub, what is it, third or fourth? Uh, third, Alhamdulillah, Shahad, Alhamdulillah, within the past week. And it's amazing, he actually, as he just mentioned, uh, you know, one of our, uh, Grant and Mitchell, and these are, mashallah, converts as well. Alhamdulillah, who have become, and Brother Yaqub himself here, mashallah, who's been leading the effort. Uh, this is a huge gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As we know, Islam wipes out the sins uh, that a person has done in the past. So inshallah, this is an appropriate gathering for us to engage in dua and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for help. Inshallah, you can have a seat. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم انت السلام وانك السلام وتبارك يا ذا الجلال والاكرام اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك انت كما اثنيت على نفسك اللهم يا حي يا قيوم يا احد الصمد الذي لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا احد ظلمنا انفسنا وان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم يا حنان يا منان يا بديع السماوات والارض يا ذا الجلال والاكرام والعزه التي لا ترام لا اله الا هو الحليم الكريم سبحان الله رب العرش العظيم والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم انا اسالك موجبات رحمتك وعزائم مغفرتك والغنيمه من كل بر وسلامه من كل اثم اللهم لا تدع لنا في مقامنا هذا ذنبا إلا غفرته ولا هما إلا فرجته ولا مريضا إلا شفيته ولا دينا إلا قضيته ولا دينا إلا قضيته ولا ضالا إلا هديته ولا سائلا إلا أعطيته ولا حاجة من حوائج الدنيا والآخرة هي لك رضا ولنا فيها صلاح إلا أعنتنا وسرتها لنا يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم إنك عفو كريم تحب العفو فاعف عنا اللهم ربنا لا تزق قلوبنا بعد هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب اللهم ارحم أمة محمد اللهم تجاوز عن أمة محمد اللهم انصر أمة محمد اللهم أكرم أمة محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم احفظ الإسلام والمسلمين وأعز الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم انصر من نصر دين محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وجعلنا منهم وخذل من خذل دين محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ولا تجعلنا معهم اللهم إن جعلك في نحورهم ونعوذ بك من شرورهم اللهم إن جعلك في نحورهم ونعوذ بك من شرورهم اللهم إن جعلك في نحورهم ونعوذ بك من شرورهم اللهم هدينا في من هديت وعافينا في من عافيت وتولنا فيما توليت وبارك لنا فيما أعطيت وقنا واصرف عنا شر ما قضيت فإنك تقضي ولا يقضى عليك إنه لا يذل من واليت ولا يعز من عاديت تباركت ربنا وتعاليت نستغفرك اللهم من جميع الذنوب والخطايا ونتوب إليك Oh Allah we ask you Allah to accept this gathering Oh Allah we ask you to bless this gathering Oh Allah through the barakah of, the, of this brother being gifted with shahada and iman that which all the prophets strived for, every single prophet gave his whole life and spent his entire life, Ya Allah, for this very gift that we are seeing and witnessing today. Ya Allah, such a huge gift you've bestowed our beloved brother here. Oh Allah, this is a sign of you, not only your pleasure with him, but inshallah, your pleasure with this gathering. Oh Allah, we ask you, Allah, to allow this gathering to become a one filled with forgiveness, filled with mercy. Oh Allah, let us not leave this gathering in a state except that our sins have been forgiven, have been switched with good deeds. Oh Allah, allow us to leave this gathering in a state that we 
we, are re- we have rejuvenated our faith and we have a firm determination to lead a life according to the sunnah of the Prophet Oh Allah, all these attributes of the qualities of the servants of yours that we have been studying. Oh Allah, make each and every single one of those qualities manifest within ourselves, in our spouses, in our children's lives, in our parents' lives, in our siblings' lives. Oh Allah, we ask you, Allah, to remove any and all forbidden things from our life, any and all innovations from our life. Oh Allah, <clears throat> we ask you, Allah, to grant us and our children and our spouses special protection, special protection from all the evil that exists out there, that which we can see and that which we cannot see. Oh Allah, please save us from being misled. Oh Allah, save us, save us from being misled. Save us from having a misunderstanding about, about what's right and wrong, about virtue and vice. Oh Allah, keep us all on the right path. Keep us surrounded by righteous good friends. Oh Allah, allow us to remove toxic relationships from our our. our uh, from our lives and allow us to replace them with good relationships and righteous relationships that will bring us closer to you, Allah. Oh Allah, we ask you that the ummah that is going through extreme difficulty now, that you, Ya Allah, you have special mercy upon them. Grant them patience, grant them forgiveness. Those who lost their lives, grant all of those thousands shahada across the globe. Those who are living, grant them patience. Ya Allah, grant cure and shifa to those who are wounded. Oh Allah, Ya Allah, provide places for them to sleep, places for them to stay. Oh Allah, oh Allah, remove fear from their hearts, remove anxiety from their hearts, remove worry from their hearts and fill their hearts with, with, with inspiration, fill their hearts with strength. O oh Allah, put their fear into the hearts of their enemies. O oh Allah, put their fear of theirs into the hearts of their enemies. O oh Allah, we ask you to protect them from, from, through your invisible ways, Ya Allah. Protect every single one of them, Ya Allah, through your invisible ways. O oh Allah, to grant victory to the truth over falsehood across the globe. O oh Allah, to grant victory to truth over falsehood across the globe. O oh Allah, grant victory to those who are standing up for what's right over those who are trying to spread chaos in the, across the globe. O oh Allah, we ask you, Allah, to make us all from amongst those who stand by the truth who invite towards the truth, who live by the truth, and who pass away in the truth. Oh Allah, we ask you Allah to protect our progeny from losing our faith and from having doubt about our faith. Oh Allah, we ask you to protect this masjid, this madrasa, and the seminary, the students, the musallis, the patrons. Ya Allah, the well-wishers, the, those who attend any and all programs, the family members of all of our students, the family members of all of our patrons. Oh Allah, we ask you to protect our homes, our iman, our health, our wealth, oh Allah, our, our physical health, our spiritual health, our emotional health, our mental health, our finances. Oh Allah, protect them all from any and all attacks of shaitan and nafs from the enemy that we see and the enemy that we do not see. O Allah, grant us all the good that Rasulullah had asked of, asked you of. And we seek refuge in you from all the evil that the Prophet had sought refuge in you from. Inshallah, please enjoy the tea on the way out. And also, don't forget to purchase your tickets. Sakumullah khaira. And congratulate our beloved new addition to our community, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum.